0: Hi everyone, this is Jim with Ease Seating Systems. We're here to do our second podcast in our lineup today. Uh, We'll be speaking on ergonomics. I have with me today, Cindy Zielinski from University of Michigan. She's going to be talking on ergonomics and some of the principles behind it. So Cindy, if you could just kind of give us a little bit of an intro and a background on yourself and how you got in the profession and how you kind of delved into this area.
1: Sure, sure. So I'm actually an occupational therapist. Um, So there are lots of different professions that actually specialize in ergonomics and OTs just happen to be one because we take a very holistic approach to things. So I actually started out um, in a hospital system in Cleveland and kind of got into a little bit of uh, work injuries and that kind of piqued my interest in the whole field of ergonomics and industrial rehabilitation. Um, Worked a lot in a variety of different medical fields, so I have a lot of different inpatient and outpatient background, but then I had the opportunity to focus on ergonomics at a smaller health system in Southwest Michigan and really um, dove into ergonomics, did a lot of courses, a lot of um, training in it, got some um, post-grad certificates from uh, Colorado State University in ergonomics, and then... Um, moved to the east side of the state and I had an opportunity to join the team at the University of Michigan. And that's what I solely focus on now is ergonomics, um, providing to all our faculty and staff.
0: Great. And you said you were, you had experience in industrial rehabilitation. Can you kind of just explain a little bit what that is?
1: Sure. So I'm not even sure if they have very many programs now, but probably about like 10, 15 years ago or so, um, actually probably even 20 years ago, there were a lot of programs that focused on industrial rehabilitation, so really focusing on people who are injured on the job, and we would work with them to come up with a program to help them rehabilitate, so whether it was strengthening, simulating work, um, even doing testing to see can they complete the essential functions of their job, you know, are they able to lift the correct amount, can they safely push and pull things. So wide range of um, different occupations that we saw doing that. I mean, I saw people who were working in an iron foundry versus people sitting at a desk versus people building refrigerators. So it just
0: quite a variety. Oh, yes. So can you tell us a little bit more about the uh, program at U of M? From what I understand, it's pretty unique. There's not many out in the country like that. So
1: Yeah, yeah, we're very fortunate. So it is a very unique program. It's been around for several years. Um, It is a medical ergonomic program. So we also have prevention ergonomics as well, which is really cool because I don't think there are many other universities or even employers that offer the range that we do. But we provide services to any faculty or staff member throughout the entire system. So I see people on the medical side throughout the different locations at Michigan Medicine, in addition to any campus location, whether it's in Ann Arbor, Flint, or Dearborn. Um, We specifically focus on medical needs. So our clients, as we call them, get a referral from their medical provider, and then we see them to determine uh, not only what their ergonomic needs are, but we help them in identifying appropriate accommodations for whatever their disability or their medical need may be. My counterparts in prevention do ergonomic assessments as well. However, they're working with people, probably they just have aches or pains. Maybe they strain themselves, but they're not under medical care for whatever their need is. So pretty much any faculty or staff member, any employee of the university that has questions about ergonomics can reach out to any of us and they can get a free assessment. Wow.
0: So is that kind of the difference then from your side on the medical is that they actually need a referral from a physician?
1: Correct. Yes. And then the recommendations that we make are based on their medical needs. So it's really following the Americans with Disabilities Act to make sure that we're providing appropriate and reasonable accommodations to any of our employees that are out there. So that's kind of the difference between us and prevention.
0: Okay. Um, And you mentioned the Americans with Disabilities Act. Can you just kind of um, elaborate a little bit more
1: on that? Sure. So so that's basically a law that says that you have to provide a reasonable accommodation for anyone who has a qualifying disability. Okay. So there's some some great areas to it too. But generally, a disability would be something that you know has been going on for a length of time, so probably at least six months or more. Yeah. Um, something diagnosed by a physician that they're under treatment for, um, and then a reasonable accommodation depends upon the business. So, okay. um, I always say the mom and pop store with two employees down the street, their reasonable accommodation can be very different than a large institution like the university of Michigan, who yeah. has a very large, um, you know, fiscal amount of resources available. So, um, but I also always tell people, you know, we're not, I'm not running around recommending gold-plated keyboards to anybody. You know, we look at what do you, what do you need to meet your medical needs? So, sure. Sure. Um, and so, uh,
0: with your pro with the program at University of Michigan, we, you said it's
1: unique. Did you say there's a couple more around the country? I believe there's at least one or two other programs that are similar, but I, I'm not a hundred percent sure exactly where they are off the top of my head, but okay. there are only a few. So, so if it's,
0: if the program's so, um, successful and has great outcomes, why don't you think it's caught
1: on, um, nationally? I'm not sure. I think a lot of it is that people just don't think about this. Um, they don't realize the the cost benefit of sure. intervening and making sure that we are providing accommodations to our employees. Um, I know that we have seen like with our help, sometimes people can get back to work faster okay. or we can at least have accommodations in place for when they do return to work. So we're really trying to make sure that the person is successful as possible, especially when they've had an injury or or a disability or um, surgery. You know, we try to get in as soon as we can, but even here, a lot of people don't know about our services. So even within our community, oftentimes people are out there that we could be seeing and helping and they just don't know about us. Mm -hmm. And then when they do find us, they say, Oh my gosh, I had no idea. I'm so glad you're here.
0: I'm going to spread the word. Wow. So there's kind of a lack of community or a lack of education on the uh, programs and what it can do for people.
1: Right. Right. There's some confusion with people, you know, they're not quite sure. And then they think there's a cost and there's no cost. If you're an employee, it's free of charge. And, you know, we'll do everything that we can to help people to make sure it's a reasonable accommodation.
0: Great. Now, do you have just off the top of your head, you're talking about cost benefit. Do you have a, any idea of how much, savings you're talking about to
1: companies or employers or? Gosh. I, you know, I don't think we've ever done any research on that, okay. but I'm sure it's thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars that we're saving wow. because we're getting people to stay at work and be more comfortable where if you know they become so uncomfortable because they're sitting in some old chair that doesn't fit them, they're probably going to either re-injure or they're going to have to take time off their productivity can be impacted. So I mean, it's just, I'm sure the cost benefit is astronomical. We just haven't done that research to see exactly what it is. Gotcha. So
0: there's a lack of awareness of the program. I have a feeling there's probably a lack of awareness of really what ergonomics is. So I was wondering, could you kind of give us kind of a, a official definition, so to say, and talk about some of the responsibilities you'd be, Um, looking into and if there's any misconceptions what it is what it truly isn't
1: sure sure yeah so I think when people first hear ergonomics they think of oh it's computer work and that's all it is but it's not so a a real fancy definition of ergonomics is that it's an applied science concerned with designing and arranging things people use so that the people and things interact most efficiently and safely Um, but it's really the study of people's efficiency in their working environment I always tell people it's really worth fitting the work to the worker Mm -hmm. so that we're trying to make adaptations so that that worker can be as successful as possible so we do go into office settings so it could be arranging a workspace so that you're in the correct neutral position we go into laboratory settings so people working at benches where they're standing or they're using pipettes a lot Um, we work with environmental services so using um mops or backpack vacuums or pushing carts, lifting heavy things, a wide range of areas that we go into. I even go into our um, laboratories where they're doing testing with animals. So okay. those animal technicians have to work with them. And we focus a lot on body mechanics and safe lifting and neutral posture. So the wide range of physical issues, but we also deal with a lot of other issues. So it could be um, people that maybe have had a head injury, or suffer from migraines or uh, have autism spectrum disorder or ADHD or obsessive compulsive disorder. I mean, there's a wide range of diagnoses and we sure. can help in all of those instances with making sure that their work environment is set up so that they can be as successful as possible given their disability needs.
0: Oh, wow. So it sounds kind of, um, so to say that it borrows from a lot of disciplines
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. I w- I would say so. That's um, you know, not only are we taking measurements of things and seeing how much a push pull resistance mm-hmm. is, we're looking at somebody as they move and how their body's moving and how they're positioned, um, and we don't need to know exactly the specifics of what their job specifics are, like um. I don't need to know how to be an accountant to be able to stand back and look at them to see what what's wrong physically sure. from that ergonomic standpoint. Um, same thing in the labs. I don't need to understand what kind of research they're doing. I just need to look at them as they're working
0: mm-hmm. and then give
1: them tips on how that they can, how they can improve things or how we can make changes to the environment to make sure that it's adapted to them. Nice. So
0: yeah, so it's, there's the obvious physical aspect, but it sounds like there's a lot more domains that Ergonomics covers, can you just kind of elaborate a little more? On sure.
1: That? So um I'm trying to think of some examples of people without giving any information. Sure. But sure. um we have in the past um worked with people that maybe have attention deficit disorder. So minimizing distractions in their work area, um maybe making changes to lighting. We've done that before. Um uh, hearing and vision impairments are also something that we work with Mm -hmm. so things like again addressing lighting changing the glare on monitors uh, working with technology so there are different computer programs out there that will help you to enlarge the screen um, to make different features to make it easier for someone with a visual impairment to see there are also programs that will read aloud to the user. So okay. we've recommended those in the past. Um, for hearing, I've recommended different devices that would feed directly into someone's hearing aid so that they could hear in a meeting. People don't think about, about this, but someone with a hearing impairment, when you're in a meeting and there's multiple speakers, it is very difficult for them to get that information. Okay. So Zoom meetings have been a big issue for um, people that have hearing impairments because of the speed of the meeting and the transcripts that come up on it. It's really difficult to try to lip read and read what the transcript is. So it's been a, the pandemic has been a really good learning experience for me in particular, because then we're seeing all these things that maybe weren't issues before because we didn't have to deal with them. So um, lots of different things. Sometimes we even work with people on uh, giving them accommodations to have increased time to complete their work because okay. of whatever their medical need is. So, so, so lots of different examples. That we do can.
0: you normally work just with the person individually, or do you do, you do any um, assessments or interventions in a group setting? Or
1: So our department with medical ergonomics only focuses on that individual that we have a referral for. Okay. When we do go into situations where we identify there's a need for the entire department, then we... Um, collaborate with our colleagues in prevention. So kind of pass the sword off to them and then they'll step in and take over. And they do a lot of that. So they'll go in and look at department wide initiatives. There might be a department that says, Hey, we want to get new chairs or, Hey, we have this one particular thing that people seem to be getting hurt at doing. Can you look at this? Okay. And then they'll come in and do that assessment and give the recommendations. Gotcha.
0: So, and again, you said this is just within the U of M network itself. So Like if I'm an employer or an employee outside of U of M and I either have an injury or I'm noticing that injuries are taking place, what, where would I go? What would I do?
1: So there are some private companies out there that will help other businesses. So just doing a a search online can help to find them. I know there are a few here in the Ann Arbor area. We also have a lot of free resources on our website. So I always share that with people. Um, I often get emails from people who work outside who say, hey, can you do an assessment for me? Sure. I'm sorry, I can't, but here's our website. We have a whole uh, bunch of self-help tips where they can kind of click through and it'll talk okay. them through different things.
0: So. so there's a lot of resources through UM itself, and I'm sure um, we can attach it somehow either oh, yeah. in this in the video or in a description or, or something like that. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's kind of delve in a little bit more into what you're doing, what you look for. Um, I guess so. Kind of start me off. How 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 does the process work with the within your ergonomics department?
1: Sure. So uh, people come to us in one of two ways. Uh, first way is that their doctor makes a referral to us through our uh, MyChart system. So it actually just goes directly into an electronic referral. The other way is that we have a form that we have out there through Qualtrics that we tell employees, if you are interested in ergonomic services, fill this out. And that goes to either myself at Medical Ergonomics or our prevention colleagues. And we determine who that should go to. And then if it's medical, then we tell them, by the way, you need to get a doctor's referral. So here's your next step. And then we just kind of guide them through that. And then once we have all the documentation we need, we're able to schedule an appointment to see them. So since the pandemic, we now do remote appointments, as do many, many people. So we use Zoom, and um, we have people send us pictures of them at their workspace, especially if it's an office, so that I can review that in advance. You'd be surprised. I can can see a lot pretty quickly if people send me a good picture. It's like, boy, I can see why your neck is hurting because you're doing this. I mean, (laughs) it's pretty obvious, but I always tell people, you know, We can't see what we look like when we're seated at our workspace. I mean, most people can't have an out-of-body experience to know what they're doing. So that's where it's really important for us to have people take a picture of them seated as they normally would be from the side. And then we ask for like a picture of overhead of how they're positioned on the keyboard if it's an office. Um, And then during the Zoom meeting, I share my screen. We do education with them. And then we make recommendations for what they should try to change. So, and then in person, uh, throughout the entire pandemic, I've still been coming to Ann Arbor and Flint and everywhere in between. So wherever there's an employee that is working on site, we go out and we can actually see them in their workspace. Through okay. that education, we take measurements, we make adjustments. So I can actually adjust their workspace as much as I can physically during that visit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if we identify that they need equipment, so whether it's a chair, a keyboard, a mouse, you know, whatever, we'll actually have them come to see us at our office, because we have what we call our equipment lab. Okay, so I have a a room filled with chairs, and I have lots of different keyboards, lots of different um, mouse options. And we actually will fit the person to the equipment. And then whatever seems to fit them and puts them in a neutral posture then I have them rank them their top 123, whatever choices. And then we arrange for them to actually try them for a full week in their office. I loan things to people at home too. So I have people that are working at home that we will have come in. We'll do the assessment because the university is loaning to people to use at home equipment that they need on site. So we're able to still do that trial. And then once they try it for a week, if it works great, I make a recommendation and their department purchases it. Wow.
0: So do you ever have it where if you're going to do an assessment, either by picture or video, or even in person, where it seems like the person actually knows and they almost I, I guess for example, like if somebody is going to see you and then they know they're being watched, they almost kind of mm-hmm. correct themselves and and whatnot. Do you ever have that happen or
1: once in a blue moon, most people are like, I'm gonna really show you what I'm actually doing. And so they really, you know, they'll do their slouch, they'll do their poor posture. Um, but Usually desk height is the issue. So you can't fake that. If your desk is way too high for you, I'm going to see that in those pictures. Okay. Um, so yeah, usually, no people try to be on their their worst posture so that I can help them to figure out what to do. So, so it doesn't happen that often. But I do see that when I go see people in person, they'll all of a sudden try to sit up taller, especially after I've just told them how they should be positioned. Because sure. 99% of the time when I go through my little tips sheet, they're like, oh boy, I don't look anything like that. i am not like that (laughs) gotcha
0: so um now as far as intervention do we want to go over a little more um, some of the specifics i know you have um sent me a couple handouts i can sure open that up too so i'm gonna go ahead and share the screen here
1: there it is yeah
0: great so can you kind of explain to me a little bit uh we have some ergonomic tips for seated workstations if you could kind of just explain Um, what you're looking for and what some of the recommendations are.
1: Sure. Yeah. So this I use pretty much with every client that's working in an office setting. So the things that I try to point out to everybody are what's listed on there, but it's all about good neutral posture. So I remind people you do need to be sitting up nice and tall in your chair, essentially where your ear is over your shoulder, shoulder kind of over your hip. Ideally we'd like to have people sitting with their feet flat on the floor. Ankles and knees at about a 90 degree angle, but then the hips just slightly higher than your knees. So a little bit more of an angle there. And then a good ergonomic chair is important. Most people don't realize you can make adjustments to most office chairs that are out there. So making sure that that low back curve is supported because we want to maintain those natural curves of the spine. And generally speaking, if I can get that lumbar curve in a good position, hopefully the rest of your spine is going to follow provided that you're sitting seated with a good neutral posture. Uh, Seat pan's important too. So we always remind people that that seat pan is often adjustable in chairs and you want to have it slid out far enough so that you have one to two fingers of space from the back of your knee to the edge of the seat. Armrests are also important. So many people are sitting at a desk that is too high for them and it's not in the correct position, but we want to have your elbows by your side, touching your ribs, forearms parallel to the floor, with your armrests right underneath you, wrists nice and straight and neutral. And I always tell people when you're typing, it's as though you're playing the piano. So you really should be kind of gliding over your keyboard, gliding over your armrests. But when you stop to think, those armrests should be directly underneath you to allow you to rest. But again, we wanna have them so that you're comfortably positioned, don't want shoulders up to your ears, but you should be relaxed, forearms parallel to the floor. Mm -hmm. Um, We also determine a correct seated work height for someone by looking at the position of their elbow. So once we get somebody positioned in their chair, looking as close to this picture as possible, I then take a measurement from their elbow down to the floor and I'll subtract one inch from whatever that height is. And that's their ideal work surface height. We take off that inch to accommodate for the height of their keyboard. um, So that hopefully if I have you at a desk that's one inch below the height of your elbow, you're gonna be in that correct neutral position. Monitors too are important. So I always tell people, if you were to have a, a line drawn straight off from your eyes, it should hit above the top of your monitor, maybe about a quarter of the way down. Make sure if you're using two monitors, you position them for use. So if you're using them two monitors and using them 50%, 50%, then they should be touching in the middle and where they meet in the middle should be in alignment with your nose. Okay. And then tilting them up a little bit at the bottom can help with glare. Uh, and then I also remind people to make sure you have a light source that you're seated perpendicular to it, rather than having it behind you or in front of you, and that just helps with glare as well. Uh, and then there's always rules like if you have bifocals, your monitors need to be lower because you'll bring be your head up. Oh yeah. So, but the most important thing that we tell people to is get up and move every hour if you can, whether it's to stretch, to walk, march in place. But being stuck in a static position for a length of time is not good for our bodies. They were designed to move. So we need to get up and move. And I've found with remote work, uh, people working in their homes don't get up quite as often as we did in the office because we don't have those extra distractions of a coworker coming to ask a question or, you know, uh, going to use a restroom at home. Everything is much closer and we tend to not get up and move as much. So I find myself reminding people of that a lot.
0: That's interesting. Yeah.
1: That's general general ergonomic tips that we look at for people that are seated.
0: Okay. And so if somebody is not sitting appropriate, what are some of the common complaints you hear, common conditions you see when these things are not adjusted to this ideal?
1: Oh, position? oh gosh. So It could be a variety of things. So yeah. usually the biggest issues are with someone not being in a chair that fits them properly or supports them properly and then the desk height being off. Mm -hmm. So they could end up with a variety of issues, back pain, neck pain, shoulder, elbow, wrist issues, um, just a variety, you name it, and they could have it. But usually what we see is a lot of people with back issues, a lot of people with wrist, forearm, shoulder issues. So it could be carpal tunnel, tendonitis, just a variety of different issues. And if you already have a medical issue, especially with your spine and you're not seated properly and you're in a poor-fitting chair, it will only exacerbate whatever your condition is and make it that much worse. Okay.
0: Now I see, I see it talks a little about computer mouse. Is there a certain design computer mouse you recommend? No,
1: but generally speaking, that palm down position is not neutral. (laughs) So a good neutral position is more like a almost like a handshake position. So there are vertical mice out there that will put you in that position. However, it's a big learning curve to use a really vertical mouse. It feels very strange because you've got to move from your shoulder. So we've found a lot of success with more semi-vertical mice or there's such a wide variety of different ergonomic mouse options out there. When we test people, I actually have about I think probably about 20 different styles, Hmm. Uh, but it really depends upon what their medical issue is and what's going on with them. So I kind of narrow it down by what's physically going on with them. And it's really like trying on shoes. So you really have to try out the mouse to see, does it fit your hand? Does it fit your need? And then to see, you know, how does it feel? Well, it's
0: very person specific then.
1: Absolutely. Oh yeah. All of this is very person specific, even a keyboard. You know, one keyboard might feel good to somebody and then a different one feels very different. So um, and there are ergonomic keyboards out there that put you more neutral, where a traditional keyboard will put you where oftentimes you have to kind of turn your wrists and they're very close together. and Or if you have very broad shoulders, you know, that's hard to be twisted up and, you know, in a crazy position. So there's lots of different things out there that get you into a more neutral position because that's really the whole goal that I have when I see someone is to have them be as neutral as possible so that they can be as safe as possible. Okay. Perfect.
0: Okay. So moving on to the standing workstation, we have another document here that Cindy's going to talk about.
1: Yep. So essentially it's basically the same from the waist up as the seated. So, um, making sure that we're still in that nice neutral posture and position, um, Monitors in the same position, the work surface is in the same position, but what you can also do is look at um, how your lower body is positioned. So in standing, one of the things that you can do is you can elevate one foot just for a little bit of pressure relief. So whether it's standing on a box or a, a book just with one foot, just to kind of offset um, that weight and have a little bit of pressure relief, you can do that. The other thing that you want to do is make sure that you really monitor your body. So you've got to listen to your body if you're going to be at a workstation where you have the ability to stand, because obviously we don't want you sitting the whole day if you can stand, but we also don't want you standing the entire day either. So generally, our clients that we work with, because they have a medical need, we generally will tell them stand once or twice an hour for anywhere from five to 15 minutes. Someone who isn't having a medical issue could stand longer, but I would say, you know, maybe 30 minutes because the true benefit of having a sit-stand workstation is that ability to move so changing that position. Um, But other than that, you know, the neutral spine is important again in standing, having the arms positioned the same way, all of that is basically the same as the seated position. And then we have the reminders on there again, get up and move. You know, don't, don't be stuck in a prolonged static position, whether it's sitting, whether it's standing or whatever it might be.
0: It's funny talking to you. I, fe- I find myself correcting myself now. <laughs> I find myself me.
1: doing that too when I talk to people because <laughs> I don't always have perfect posture.
0: <laughs> okay. So we have another document here that Cindy's going to discuss. It's some of the risk factors.
1: Yeah, so this is my colleagues at Safety Management Services on the Michigan Medicine side put this together and allowed me to use it to share with people, but it has a lot of really good um, general tips in it. So it goes over the different risk factors. So things like repetition, force, being in awkward postures, which we see a lot of, contact stress. So that's when um, in the office setting, especially where people are pressing into the sharp edge of their desks, like with their forearm or their wrists, um, has some good uh, information about just proper posture again, that we don't want everybody leaning forward. And then the second page of it has some uh, lots of good tips. So just certain things about what you need to know, the kind of 20, 20, 20 break for vision where uh, you take a 20 second break, every 20 minutes, look at something 20 feet away. Most of us forget about that. We're just so focused on the computer, but that can be really helpful And then the other one, um, I mean, has the seating tips, which we've talked about before and getting up and moving every 30, 60 minutes if possible. But the other thing that I like on this brochure in particular is that graphic of the person reaching out. So I always remind people when your elbows are by your side, if you move your hands left to right, like a windshield wiper, that's your safe work zone right there. So that's where you should be typing. That's where you should be using the mouse, your handwriting. That's where you should be doing it. Those frequent things should be close. And then outside of that, you get into more danger zones. So that's where it should be the next level, kind of more occasional things where you're not doing it that often, way far out, you should not be doing anything that far out. So, But I do walk into offices and sometimes see people, arms fully outstretched, typing and mousing away or writing, and they're just really putting themselves at risk for injury. So so it's a nice brochure just to give lots of information in a small amount of space. Okay, so
0: we're looking at a, a web page from U of M, and we've talked a lot about some of the static uh, office positioning, and now we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the thing risk factors and when you're on your feet and whatnot. So Cindy has a few tips for us there.
1: Yeah, so this is off of our M Healthy website. So if anybody wants to. Try to search for it. You can put in University of Michigan and healthy and all of this is available to anybody who wants to find it. You just have to click through to find the right information. So this is specifically regarding jobs that involve material handling. So whether it's boxes or items, whatever it might be, but typically they do a lot of lifting, carrying, pushing, pulling. So this part that you can see just talks a little bit about safe lifting. So, and we do a lot of training with our employees on this as well. So couple general tips, just really make sure that you know how much you're going to be lifting, kind of size it up if you can. If it's too heavy, you should be getting help. Although I know most of us just try to hurry up and get things done. And then when you're halfway through the lift is the last moment that you want to try to figure out how much it weighs because you're in trouble because you're already halfway through the lift. So trying to make sure you look at it beforehand and then just make sure you kind of plan ahead, make sure that things are clear, that Point that you're picking it up from to where it's going that you can make it there safely and then proper lifting is really important so that first picture that you can kind of see at the bottom has got a big uh line through it because they're just bending straight forward oh, wow. you always want to maintain those natural neutral posture of your spine so keeping that s curve rather than c is what okay. they're talking about um, but everybody's always heard you know <clears throat> lift with your legs don't lift with your back don't bend forward you want to squat and if you squat down you keep that natural curve uh, and there's a picture below that one if you scroll down that shows you a couple of gentlemen squatting down using the correct body mechanics to pick up the item and then again you can see the other picture of the person just bending forward at the waist but you know how many times do we all do that where we just kind of bend forward yeah sure not okay because you can see we're getting our spine out of alignment because it's all about maintaining those natural curves so we got a curve up in our neck one in our upper back and one in our lower back and that's where your spine is at its strongest if you keep those curves when you bend forward and lose those curves it becomes much weaker and you're much uh, higher risk for injury mm-hmm. so and then keeping things close to your body too uh, you want to keep it A safe work zone, I tell people, generally is between your waist and your chest, keeping it nice and close to you so that you avoid putting additional strain on your back. Sometimes people can't squat, so um, but you can come up with other ways that you can do it. There's even a a lift called a golfer's lift where you've seen golfers where they kick one leg up as they bend down to get the golf ball out of the hole. That keeps your spine in a neutral alignment. However, you can only lift up really light things with that. You obviously aren't going to bend down and pick up something 30 pounds with one hand and be able to maintain that kind of position. Um, But with that, that's, that's what we usually recommend Um, education on body mechanics on safe lifting, Mm -hmm. pushing rather than pulling as much as you can. Same thing when you're, you know, when you're typing and we talk about elbows by your side, when you're handling things, we want elbows by your side, kind of a 90 degree angle, keep it close to, so that safe little work zone. A lot of the same principles that apply to the office also apply to material handling, working in the lab, a variety of different areas. So, um, but all that information is out there on our website as well. So there's a lot of good, good sure. tips
0: and tricks there as well. And we'll definitely share a link with us as well yeah. in our description. So Cindy, we've discussed a lot of information today. I was just curious if you have any take home messages, or top advice for our audience?
1: I think the biggest thing is really paying attention to how you're positioned and listening to your body. Oh my goodness. I've had many, many people, especially because of the pandemic, who are in pain, having discomfort, and they just try to ignore it and hope that it'll go away. If you're set up improperly and you don't have good ergonomics, your pain's not going to go away. It's going to keep getting worse and worse. So Really listen to your body and then have somebody help you. So whether it's reaching out to somebody like me or just having somebody in your home take a picture of you from the side and then really look at it and then compare that to the resources that we have and see how close are you? Do you look the same? And that's what I do during every um, office assessment is I first show them the 10 tips and we talk about that and I say, now let's look at your picture and how close are you to looking like that? When I see people in person, I try to get them looking like that picture as much as possible. So um, really looking at how are you really positioned? What are you doing? Are you neutral? Are you being safe? Are you pressing into things? You know, looking at all those risk factors. So really people can be their own little investigator and their own occupational therapist and try to do their own assessments because there's a lot that people can do on their own you don't need me to look at you to be able to tell boy my desk is way too high for me and I'm slouching and my chair doesn't fit.
0: Perfect well I think that wraps things up Um, as we as I mentioned earlier we will make sure to include some of the links to this information that Cindy's talked about today so we thank you for everyone for joining
1: in. Bye. Bye thank you.